The following audio is from All Saints Church. For more information about the church, please visit our website at allsaintsgb.org. Écoutez la parole de Jésus qui appelle. Venez et mourez afin que plusieurs puissent vivre. Escucha la palabra de Jesús llamando. Veni mure para que muchos vivan. Irhe ethe ordwe afie isis je alenke. Amke anje aide athe anime aitme ivle. If I were to preach the remainder of this sermon in French or in Spanish, or in Pig Latin, what would happen to most of your ears? They would turn off, wouldn't they? Language, in many ways, is cultural code. We don't realize how much insider's secret is buried within language until we're in a situation like just happened in which we, the outsider, don't know the language. We don't understand it. Ever been in another country or even another part of town where English is not the primary language? You spot a couple people in the store and as you walk by, they look at you, they snicker and they say something they know you will not understand. You're on the outside. But it doesn't have to be just a different language, right? Within language, the languages we speak, there are secret signals as to where you're from. My favorite in Northeast Wisconsin is the phrase, come here once. I love watching people not from Northeast Wisconsin ask, why, why once? Why am I coming once? Is that it? Is that the only time I'm coming once? In the UP, don't you dare ask for a soda. It's pop. And if you're from the South, bless your heart, sweetheart. It's not a compliment. Poet William Stafford writes, The ordinary language we use every day has a hidden set of signals, a kind of secret code to it. And today we get to hear everyday language spoken in code. It's what's called a parable. Words in a parable, unlike my first few phrases this morning, which are recognizable, even simple to hear for anyone listening. But buried within the words of a parable is a secret code that unless you're on the inside, these words will have absolutely no meaning to you more than the words of the Muppet tune, Menomena. Or the Lady Gaga tune, ra, 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 ha, ha, I don't know how it goes. <laughs> these parables, these words, serve Jesus and his ministry by creating a dividing line between those on the inside and those on the outside, between the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of heaven. Parables are secret code that if understood and accepted will lead to a turn the world around revolution. And the parable that we're going to hear this morning is asking this question. Do you hear the word of Jesus calling? Come and die that many might live. 
A reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. Again, Jesus began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds, they fell into good soil, and it produced grain. Growing up, and increasing and yielding thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when Jesus was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see but not perceive and they may indeed hear but not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the others, the other ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil, the good soil, are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. This is God's word. Do you hear the word of Jesus calling? Do you hear the word of Jesus calling? Prior to today's passage, Jesus has been gaining a big following. Crowds have been gathering around him either to be healed or to witness a miracle or maybe think this is the new Messiah coming to take names. This crowd is so big that he and his inner circle of disciples can't even eat dinner. But his family thinks he's lost his mind. The religious leaders think he's the devil incarnate. 
And Jesus is giving secret clues to his identity as king of a heavenly kingdom without fully giving himself away. Even when the demons in Mark try to out him on who he is, he says with authority, you will be quiet. Until Jesus decides when he wants himself fully revealed. So he speaks in parable. The word of Jesus is calling through parable. And how do we see Jesus doing this in the beginning of this passage today? He begins by broadcasting the parable, broadcasting the call to insiders and outsiders. Look with me at verses 1 to 9 as he broadcasts the call to insiders and outsiders. Jesus is beside the Sea of Galilee. It's gotten so crowded, there's no way everyone can hear anymore. So what does he do? He sets himself out on a boat so that everyone can hear him and see him. Jesus is doing what the parable is saying. He's sowing the seed of this call to everyone. From the religious one to the common one. If you can picture it like Jesus out on the water looking at this amphitheater of of people. It's like Jesus' mouth is a fire hose of seed shooting out from the water. And it's hitting the crowd facing him. And the various people... They're the types of ground that are receiving the parable. As we walk through this parable, what happens when the sower broadcasts the seed of a call to everyone listening? What happens? Great things happen, right? Wrong. For three quarters of the people receiving this seed, nothing happens. Verse 4, the seed on the road snatched up. Verse 5 and 6, the seed on the rocks, maybe, but no, it withered and died. Verse 7, the seed among the thorns, nope, choked. What kind of inefficient farming method is this? It seems like a waste of a lot of seed. My uncles who own a farm up in Door County would be saying to this sower in the parable, come here once. Come here once. You are wasting valuable time and money. Let me teach you how to farm. So why does this sower broadcast the seed so widely? Well, a clue is found in verse 8, but we'll get to it a little bit later. 75% of the people listening to Jesus are not hearing the call. The word, the seed he's throwing on them is going in one ear and out the other. But, but, there's 25%. The minority seed Falling on good soil. And what's going to happen with that minority seed? What's going to happen in terms of harvest? (laughs) 30, 60, 100 fold of harvest. It's going to be big. Jesus calls to the 25% in verse 9 saying, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Knowing there's a minority That are listening because God is opening up their ears to hear him. But there's a majority who will chew up the seed and spit it out. When it's getting closer to grass seed planting time, and I always do it too early. But when I plant grass seed in my yard, I use what's called a broadcast spreader. 
I fill the spreader with this huge bag of seed and make my way out on the lawn. I don't pick seeds out of the bag one by one that I know, oh, this one's going to take root. And I put a little tweezer in the lawn. I broadcast it so that most of the seeds I know that I'm going to broadcast are not going to take root in the ground. Friends, Jesus doesn't withhold himself from anyone. Nor does he say, I'm only going to talk to those who I know will listen to me. Friends, if I were to preach that way, if I were to only give a sermon to those I, were, I could guarantee were listening to me, I would never preach again. Here's why he broadcasts. Because he is broadcasting God's blessing and God's judgment. To everyone who receives the seed, blessing, life. And to everyone who does not, the outsider, judgment. You heard it and you would not listen. Why does this broadcasting of seed to everyone, what does it mean for us as disciples, as we are called to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit's name? What does it mean for us as we bring gospel seed to the world? We stop talking about the gospel only to the people we prefer or the people we think will get it. And we start broadcasting Jesus to everyone. Even those who might vehemently disagree with us. Even if it falls on deaf ears, especially if it falls on deaf ears. Friends, 75% will not receive what we have to say. Three quarters will not want to hear what you have to say. We need to stop giving our time and our resources to only the causes that we think are best and effective. And instead, start giving ourselves away to the least of these, to the lost causes in the world. This is the beauty of the insider's message. Lost causes, lost people who see that they're lost are invited to come inside. But those who believe they've got it all together remain on the outside. The church's seed in the Gospel of Mark and then in the New Testament was planted in a little more than 12 people in tiny Israel. That's how many heard it and received it and accepted it. And 2,000 years later, you can find at least 12 churches within a square mile of here, Green Bay, Wisconsin. How is that for multiplication? But broadcasting the call to everyone, friends, I have to tell you this, it's going to be costly. It asks everything of you. You may have to die to your comfort zones and talk to someone who looks like they could kill you. You may have to die to your efficiency and take time with the person who keeps asking more and more questions. You may have to die to your control of outcomes when the person responds to you with, thanks, 
no thanks. Be a broadcast spreader of the seed of the good news that Jesus is all about forgiving the outsider and bringing him in. Knowing that the majority will not only have no idea what you're saying, they might even reject you violently for what you're saying. Do you hear the word of Jesus calling? The first part of that, though, the word of Jesus calling, it's broadcast. It's to insiders and outsiders. But do you hear it? Jesus broadcasts to everyone, but the majority aren't listening. Who does hear, though? We talked about last week in the book of Mark that Mark likes to sandwich things like an Oreo. He puts two similar things on the top and bottom, and then right in the middle, right in the double stuff, Oreo is a God claim. And that's what we see in verses 10 to 13. The top is the parable. The bottom is the parable explained. In the middle is the God claim. And this is what it is. Jesus is the only way to understand the word. Jesus is the only way to understand the word. The scene shifts rather quickly inside a house. It seems. And Jesus is now alone with those around him in the 12. And these are the people who Jesus in the past few verses has identified. This is my family now. This is my new family. And he says to them this. Can you imagine hearing this? To To you, to you, to you, to you, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But to those on the outside, everything is in parables. And what might you ask when you hear that? Well, it seems kind of unfair to only let certain people access to the code, to understanding this. That just doesn't seem quite fair. It's completely fair. That's why he quotes Isaiah 6. And in Isaiah 6, the prophet Isaiah was called to become a sower of God's grace to the people of Israel. And guess what? They wouldn't listen. Listen to the language of Isaiah. The Lord says to Isaiah, go and say to this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. God is asking Isaiah to preach a message that's not going to have any following. He says to him, make the heart of this people dull, their ears heavy, blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Do you see the remarkable phenomenon about this passage in Isaiah and about these parables? The parables cannot make sense unless God has it make sense. The parables cannot make sense without Jesus. There's a tension here, isn't there? A tension between a God who's in charge of opening ears and eyes and hearts and a human will that's free to reject what they're hearing. So as this broadcast spreader of the word of God is generous to insiders and outsiders, two things are clear. Number one, those who understand it, the insiders, have been given the gift of faith. It's a gift from God. But those who reject it, the outsiders, they willfully choose not to receive it. God is being completely fair to those who reject him. 
He is giving them what they want, which is not Him. They don't want Him on the inside of their hearts. But God is being gracious to those who would believe in Jesus. To those He wants on the inside. And in verse 13, see Jesus ask a couple of questions, pointing to Himself. He says, Do you not understand... How then will you understand all the parables? He's asking that question as an implication question. You're going to understand these things as you believe in me. If Jesus is denied access inside of you, if he's not allowed access to your sin-stained heart, you're going to receive justice, not mercy. You're going to remain on the outside. But as Jesus is believed, believed to be the one who offers forgiveness from God, believed to be the one who can heal you and make you right again, you are on the inside of understanding God's ways. And you receive, as verse 12 says, forgiveness. I don't think I can see any from here, but think about stained glass for a moment with me. That's us. We are stained glass with sin. And on a sunny day... As you drive past any stained glass window from the outside, how beautiful is it? It just looks dark. It just looks stony, right? But step inside the church on a day like today when the light is shining and what happens to that stained glass? It comes alive. You see the design. You see the pattern. It all makes sense. That is the life of an insider that has Jesus. A stained sinner whom Jesus lives within. When Jesus takes residence in us, as Colossians 3.16 says, as we let the word of God dwell richly inside of our hearts, everything starts to make sense again. What's so amazing about this passage, friends, is that the religious order of the day is being turned on its head. Who are the insiders of Jesus' day to God? Who are the insiders? The priests, the religious ones, the holy Pharisees, the holy scribes. And who are the outsiders? The outsiders were the commoners, the fishermen, the shepherds, the Gentiles. So who is Jesus talking to in verse 10 to 13? He's talking to the outsiders, to the commoners, to the lowly, to those who know when he says to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, they go, me? Like what? I don't belong here. I don't belong here. Those who know Jesus does not belong in them is the one he's working in. Saints, allowing Jesus full access inside of you involves dying to your need to be at the center or in the middle. Dying to your need to be right. The religious right, the Pharisees, the scribes were all about saying, everyone else is wrong. We're right. But the insiders, those who were willing to allow Jesus in, were saying, no, wait, everything inside of me is wrong. You're right, I'm wrong. Allowing Jesus full access involves dying also to trying to figure out life on your own. 
And ask God to give you understanding as to what's going on around you. Friends, if you're dealing with something in your life right now, if your child maybe has been diagnosed with a rare illness, ask, Lord, please help me to know what you're doing here. If you lose your job, you're betrayed by a friend, you're battling depression, you're in a really difficult marriage, allow Jesus inside to help you make sense of the story that he's writing in you. And sinners, allowing Jesus full access inside of you involves dying to your self-centered and self-protective ways of life. No more are you in charge of arranging the furniture of your heart. He is. Ask him to clean up what's dirty inside with his forgiveness. Ask him to rearrange what's messed up inside with his spirit, showing you now through his word how to live. Do you hear the word of Jesus calling? Because if you do hear it, this is the hardest part, is what he's saying. Come and die so that many might live. Jesus goes on to explain the parable on the other side of Mark's Oreo sandwich. Jesus says, the sower sows the word of the gospel. He's identifying himself. I'm the one who's sowing this good news. The good news that says there is no sin that is beyond God's forgiveness. The good news that says Jesus has come to make all things new again. What happens in the hearts again of those to whom this good news, this seed is scattered and broadcasted? What happens to it? Again, four results. Three negative, one positive. And each of these responses, each of these results are in response to the call to come and die so that others might live. Jesus held off on giving away fully the secret of who he was until when. Why was he telling the demons to be quiet? Because he was waiting. Waiting for the end of his ministry. Where others could see clearly what he's talking about. Where he would be the seed that would fall to the ground and die. And when he would sprout up from the grave as the victor over death. The sower, Jesus, is scattering the seeds, which says, this is love. This is love, a harvest which comes by way of sacrifice, of self-dying in order for others to live. The insiders who are hearing this right now in Mark would not fully decode the language or the parable spoken by Jesus until his death and resurrection. But when they did... They would see that God offered himself in death so that they themselves could live. And then his call to each of those disciples and to us is this. You go and do likewise. Take up your cross and follow me. Come and die yourself so that many might live. So then it makes this explanation of the parable a lot more easy to understand. Because what happens to people when you're given the call, hey, come and die. (laughs) Come and die to yourself. Just look at the explanation. The ones who are on the path to the cross where Jesus is headed, how do they respond? 
by listening to the father of lies, Satan, who says, you know what? Not worth it. It's a better life with me at the center. Nope. No, thanks. I'm gone. I'm out. I'm not going to die. The ones who have the seed fall on rocky ground, the rocky ground. How do they respond? Well, look, Jesus is great. He's amazing. I'm going to a conference. I'm feeling it. He's so great when it's easy to follow him. When the rubber meets the road and the dying to self becomes a regular thing in following Jesus, you know what? No thanks. I'm out. I'm out. The ones who have the seed fall among thorns, how do they respond? By starting to believe that the pleasures of this world are, you know what? They're better than the person of Jesus. And we're left with 75% fruitless seeds. But 25% bear fruit how? What's the key ingredient? Good soil. What's good soil? It's the soil that's found in putting yourself in a grave. The gospel seed, the word asked by Jesus in his call to each one of us today is this. Will you accept the call to come and die to yourself? Die to yourself and live to Christ. It's not going to be painless. It's not going to be easy. It's not even going to be profitable on earth. But in your dying to self will come 30, 60, 100 fold times the life in heaven. Todd heard the call to come and die so that many might live. He probably heard the call a lot as he grew up in the church, as he grew up going to a Christian school, as he grew up going to Wheaton College. He heard the call a lot to come and die so that others might live. He heard the parables preached. Todd had just spent a five-day trip with his wife in Italy, and he was scheduled to leave for work on Monday the 10th, but he stayed home to be with his two kids and his pregnant wife for another day to be with them. And I'm sure it was their faces he saw when he heard the call to come and die so that many might live. See, Todd was on Flight 93. The plane that was headed as a weapon to kill more people in the terrorist attack of 9-11. And he knew it. They knew that this was heading because they were talking to people about what was going on. And there were two choices as a passenger on that plane, on that weapon. We're going to die anyways. People are going to die. We just sit back and let them have their way. Or they could take action willingly, come and die so that others might live. And Todd and the group around him prayed the Lord's prayer. I will be done. The kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And they cited Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. And they ran into that cockpit and they pushed down and the plane went straight into the ground like a seed so that many could live. Friends, Jesus knows there was a plane of death headed toward all of his people. And he said to his father in heaven, and I'm sorry this, this sounds cliche, let's roll. I'm going down there. I'm doing something. 
Jesus accepted the call to come and die so that many could live. And like Todd Beamer, we are given the call, brothers and sisters, to come and die so that many might live. Jesus was plunged into the soil through his sacrifice, through his body and his blood on the cross. It was the seed And insiders, brothers and sisters in Christ, we hear the word, seeing it spoken on the cross, seeing this parable fulfilled on the cross. And then we eat of the fruit of his death and his resurrection. But insiders, followers of Jesus, don't just hear the word. They don't just hear the word. What's different about the fourth group of people. They accept his call to come and die so many more can live. Friends, this isn't just martyrdom we're talking about, although that might be part of our call. It's a daily dying, dying to yourself as the center, dying to being right, dying to being praised, dying to being in control, dying to prove yourself worthy, dying to anything this world could offer you and living to Christ. Hear the word of Jesus calling. Come and die that many, including you, insider, might live. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the call on our lives. But Father, we know that this call is not a call that comes easy. It's a call that we hear every morning. And we ask for your mercy in us not keeping it every day before. It's a call to come and die so that many might live. As we follow you, Jesus, we know that there are things in us that need to die. Maybe right now, Father, there are things in us that need to die. We're feeling the need to be right. We're feeling the need to not forgive because we're, we're being just. We're feeling the need to die, not to die because that person doesn't know how wrong they are. But Father, I pray that you would help us, help us, Father, to die daily as we take up our cross and follow you because you took up the cross to save us. Do your work in us, Father. Help us be the minority, the insiders who know we've been given such a grace that we too would be willing to give up our lives for it. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.